Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here we are a week out from a national election. I can't think of a more important topic than to figure out how we as disciples of Jesus Christ connect our values and biblical principles with how we vote for candidates who will lead us. I mean, what an important uh, discussion to have. Of course, that's a discussion we've been having here at Living sure. Stones for the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I think, it's, I think it's a valuable one. We encourage people don't compartmentalize your faith from public policy because too much is at stake. Uh, the glory of God is at stake. Uh, the goodness of God is at stake when we fail to engage because we bring the goodness of God and the blessing of God that comes through uh, a biblical worldview. And then we have to steward the freedoms that we've been given. And I encourage you, the best way we steward liberty is to go into that voting booth uh, this coming week. And if you haven't already voted, uh, and make sure you exercise uh, your rights and you steward the liberty and the freedom that you've been given before God. So important. Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to, you know, the world gets crazier and crazier the farther apart from Jesus and from a biblical worldview. Uh, people move into insanity and government leaders move into insanity. And the latest comes from California, which wouldn't surprise us <laughs> because California leads the way with p political insanity, uh, hands down. Although I guess New York might be close, a close second. And Illinois is close too, but anyway. Yeah, right down the street, so. This is amazing. We had uh, California Governor Newsom just entered. The emperor just I issued a Thanksgiving decree, which really borderlines on uh, absolute insanity. Even the liberals, even the Hollywood establishment are going bonkers over this, but... Um, so here's the deal. Uh, he issued a Thanksgiving uh, mandate. Uh, the following guidelines. If you have somebody over for Thanksgiving, the me meeting, first of all, must be held outside. I guess if you live in Southern California, I guess that'll be okay. You got a good chance. Not necessarily Northwest Indiana. <laughs> yeah, so pray, pray for no rain or inclement weather, or, or uh, that your neighborhood's not burning down with with a with a forest fire, which is also happening all over the place. Anyway, the guests may use the bathroom inside if it is sanitized. So all you ladies, make sure you clean your bathrooms really good. Otherwise, no one can use them. Uh, you have to wear masks. When you're not eating, <laughs> I don't know if that means you go like, bite, put your mask up, bite, put your mask up. I mean, this could get dangerous for me. I'd like, I would like lose an eye on something like that. But anyway, so when you're not eating, you got to put a mask back on. You cannot sing. It is strongly discouraged or making any loud noises like yelling. You cannot yell at this part. Laugh, celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we also have a time limit. You can only have your Thanksgiving celebration for a maximum of two hours. Wow. That's not even a football game. Yeah, you can't even watch the game. Uh, all right. We have a six feet mandated in all directions. Uh, tables, chairs. Can you imagine trying to have Thanksgiving dinner? This is like your family coming over. Yeah. All right. I mean, this is this is crazy, and we're all you know we're we're all separated by at least six feet. Hey, can you pass the potatoes? I'm sorry, no, I can't. My arms are not six feet long. Yeah. I mean, this this is amazing. Uh, and um, 
What's crazy is even the liberals, I mean, this was Megyn Kelly who was on, on uh, TV rebelling against this, which I was glad to hear. Um, but I like this one too. Comedians and Saturday Night Live veteran Rob Schneider took to Twitter earlier this month. He said, Dear Emperor Governor Newsom, uh, during our allowed three-family limit this Thanksgiving, if my aunt comes over, can I throw her a slice of turkey from the window? <laughs> I love it when even the liberals are, have had enough. Um, but, you know, this, we've talked about this. This is the kind of reason why elections matter, because you're either going to elect people who think they're the emperor and who think they have the authority to micromanage the most intimate details of your life, or you're going to push back. And, you know, and I think, I'll tell you what, I think California uh, is getting a, a picture, uh, and a lot of our liberal states, they're getting a picture of what an out-of-control government looks like. And really what's being tested right now is do we have an appetite as Americans for liberty, or are we just going to roll over and bow to the emperor and, right. and, and or call them the experts or or uh, the scientists or whatever whatever power base, right. whatever authority, right. and just roll over and say, hey, you guys know what's best for me. Thank you for taking care of my life because I can't take care of my life by myself. Yeah, to me, it just it, it speaks to the fragility of freedom. You know, you can talk, you can say America's land of free all you want. You can wear shirts that says freedom all you want. But when a push comes to shove, are you going to defend your friend freedom? Are you going to stand up for your freedom? As we know, freedom rarely does it ever get better. More and more freedom. The government ever release more and more control. Uh, the the decline th throughout history for nations has always been the government wants to impose more and more and more and more and more. So they're going to make this big push for something like this. Just think 10, 15, 20 years for your kids. What does it look like for your kids and grandkids Yeah. in terms of government intrusion? Well, and I, well, this and is I, pushback. I like what uh, uh, Christine Nome from what was that, North Dakota, South Dakota governor, I can't remember which of the Dakotas, uh, but she said, you know what? I don't have the authority to, to say what's essential and non-essential. In other words, yeah. because she's a Christian and because she's operating from a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. she, she understands that it, it requires a degree of humility yeah. for a government to realize, you know, that's not my call. It's like the whole, you know, by the way, let's pause and, and, and move from, from insanity to, yeah. uh, to a great victory for liberty. And that's the appointment and the confirmation of... Uh, uh, Justice Comey to the uh, to the uh, Supreme Court bench. You know, here we have a woman who's an originalist, and when you talk about originalism, what you're basically saying is, we as the Supreme Court do not have the right to make up the Constitution or make up rules as we go. We we can't legislate. Right. Uh, we have to we have to abide by what the Constitution says, not what we think it should say. Right. In other words, it requires humility on behalf of our elected officials and all of our government and whatever branch, just simply recognize the boundaries of your authority. And this is important because you know, we, in the church we talk about spiritual authority and being under authority. Being under authority to me means that, hey, there's a great authority at play. Now, I have my opinions, and I will share my opinions, but when I share my opinions, I'm very clear, this is my opinion, and I could be wrong. But then there's a greater authority, you know, in the case of the Constitution, I love it when judges says, hey, you know, this is my opinion on this, but that's simply my opinion. 
My opinion is simply that there's a greater constitution which we need to abide by. So we are making this decision not because I like it, but because it's based on the constitution. There you go. You know, that to me is someone who's under authority, you know. And, and Jesus highly rewarded people who understands authority. Talk about the centurion in the scripture, you know. Humility, understanding Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, so back, so back to Governor Newsom. Yeah, we got Thanksgiving coming up. Yeah. So, ju so just ask me, Pastor, what would you do if if you lived in California, and Thanksgiving's coming, and and the emperor just issued this edict? Right. If you're transplant planet in Mill Los Angeles, okay, for Thanksgiving, what would you do? <laughs> I would say, Governor, take a hike. You have no business ruining my Thanksgiving celebration under the guise, and I think it is a guise. It is a false narrative of global pandemic, people dying everywhere. Uh, you know, I, I shared with you before, throughout history, wicked governments have used this, this almost sounding Christian, like we care about the public health or we care, you know, even under communist countries, oh, sure, it was yeah. mental health. Like if you're a Christian, you're mentally unstable. So we're going to take care of all these mentally unstable yeah. people. So when the government comes and tells you, you know, how many people you can have over for dinner or, or whether you could even celebrate Thanksgiving or whether you can go to church or whether you can do a whole lot of other things, then hear me, it's none of government's business. Uh, that's when you say thank you for your opinion and you send out your uh, your guest list and yeah. you have you have your party and you right. celebrate and you tell all this ridiculousness. You know, the other thing I cracked up, here's Joe Biden at the debate. As soon as it was over, puts his mask on, his wife comes up with her mask on, and the two of them with their mask on kiss each other. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Come on, Joe, you gotta be crazy. It's all for show, it's all nonsense. This is your wife. I hope you actually kiss your wife on the lips. This is this is insanity. And so at some point you I just I don't say, watch the debate, so I didn't see that. <laughs> well, you missed it. That was the end of the insanity. And again, it was all about posture. It was all yeah. about the narrative. It's all about fear and hysteria. And at some point you have to stand up and say, come on, stop the show. We're not playing along. Pass me the turkey. Give me a give me the drumstick. I'm not six feet away from my my daughter at my dinner. You know this is just stupid. Well, I want to interject something. This is a little off script, but and you mentioned these gesturing, posturing. And I want to share that this is all very intentional. Okay, so you know recently I've learned a lot the importance about values. How do you implement? How do you change culture? How do you develop, propagate, and sustain culture? You know. Uh, it's the same principle for good and bad culture. Right. But the idea is you clarify what the culture is, and then you defend it, and you celebrate those people who value those values. Okay, you define those values. So okay. clarify what you clarify believe. Clarify these specific values, and then you defend it, meaning you attack or, or you, you, you discourage anyone who crossed the line. At the same time, you really celebrate someone who conforms to that. Now, that can work for good culture and bad culture. Right. To me, the mass thing, again, and I lived in Asia for years. And people wear masks all the time. I never had one thought of, like, that's wrong with us, bad. Well, I think it was one. to protect you from smog or pollution or whatever. In my opinion, I, sometimes I'm like, you know, you know, people wear, you know, there's acid rain, so they have umbrella. I didn't do any of that, and I was fine, okay? But in my mind, I never thought they were pushing it on me. They weren't, they weren't, 
they weren't trying to send a message. They weren't trying to impose a culture or they weren't trying to make it a value. They were just being real. They were being whoever they want. There was freedom involved in that. I lived in Taiwan for two years, did missions. People wore masks, whatever. I never did any of that and no one ever judged me and I never judged them and we, we lived in harmony and it was all fine. Yeah. Now we got to a place in which the political gesturing, what really ticks me off is they made it a value. A value system. Again, if you want to wear a mask, there's no problem with that. But when you make it something that you want to either defend and celebrate and then basically attack people who aren't that to a certain degree, now you're imposing a certain level of value. And my question is, what other values will they impose next? Sure. What other encroachment will they have? And why are we letting the government, some of these people who don't believe in God, dictate the values to the church. That's kind of my biggest issue is we as a church have our own value system. It's called the Bible. It's called the scriptures. We yeah. don't need other people who don't know God to kind of dictate the value to the church. Absolutely. We have the Bible to dictate our value that we should defend and we should celebrate. So those are the bigger questions that goes beyond simply wearing a mask. And I get all that. People wear a mask. I have no problem with people wearing a mask. I never did until it becomes this cultural context. So well, that's, and then what we're that's my finding soapbox. Out, oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's good. And, and, and national election, I mean, this is why this stuff it matters to us. I really think like, like what we're seeing is, you know, what kind of a America do we want to live in? And I also want to talk about just some of the cultural brainwashing because it spills over into the church. I, I want to recommend today that we free grandma and grandpa. That's my new cause, free grandma and grandpa. Well, what we're finding out now is, is we have good people that are saying, Pastor, I'd love to come to church, but my children are forbidding me to see their grandkids, see my grandkids, if I go to church because you guys at church don't mandate wearing a mask. Mm. So it used to be, we got to, this was, this was the script. If you don't wear a mask, you're going to kill grandma and grandpa. Now we don't care about grandma and grandpa evidently because grandma and grandpa <laughs> aren't the issue. They're living and they're going to church and they're having a great time and they're doing quite well. Yeah. But now we're worried about supposedly infecting the grandkids, which by the way, children are not at risk for this uh, virus. That's been established over and over and over again. But to me, again, it's the fear, it's the groupthink, it's the sh it's the sheep mentality. You know, sheep. There's something interesting about sheep. If there's no shepherd involved, mm -hmm. and we this has happened in in real life, and the lead sheep walks off a cliff, those other sheep will follow blindly and go right off the cliff. And there's been situations where the, where shepherds have not paid attention, and where there's been a pile of dead sheep because because they just follow right off the cliff. I mean, this we're seeing this kind of group thing in our culture today, and it's scary because it really does uh, lead to greater tyranny. And I, was, I would argue that there is a shepherd, but the shepherd is not necessarily your pastor or the scripture or the Holy Spirit. The shepherd is social media, is mainstream media, is whatever the popular culture says. And who is shepherding you? Who's your favorite star or personality? You know, right now in the season, I don't really listen to anybody. I don't really watch anything because you know what? Here's here's for the Christians out there. This is this is just for me, speaking for myself. I have a hard enough time listening to the Holy Spirit. Let me focus and make sure <laughs> I know the, the voice of the Holy Spirit <laughs> first. Eventually, yeah, I will turn on the news and I'm not gonna shelter myself on the news and all that forever. I still hear bits and pieces. But I, in my own heart, I want to make sure that my own voice, my own mind and heart is clear enough to hear the Holy Spirit first. And then, then maybe I can open myself to hear some of these other voices. But the problem is we as Christians have so long lost the voice of God, uh, reading the scripture, embedding, meditating on the scripture, that we open ourselves to other easier means. 
And then we listen to all these other voices instead of listening to the voice of the Lord first. So my suggestion for myself and for others is why don't we practice listening to the voice of God first and then maybe open ourselves to social media or whatever sure. else there is. So. That's so good. And, and, you know, again, this is the, the, the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. So the whole goal is we're trying to... We're trying to be disciples of Jesus. We want to get in the Word. We yeah. want to hear the Holy Spirit. We yeah. want to let Jesus determine our script, not the, as you said, the mainstream media, Hollywood, all these other places. Yeah. Everybody's got their opinion. Um, but I want to bring out another point that I think is equally important. You know, when you have enjoyed freedom for so long, you just take it for granted. Sure. You just think this is the way it is. And as we have labored the last few Sundays to remind people, this isn't the way it is. America is, is an exceptional nation. And the freedoms that we enjoy here are exceptional freedoms. They're unparalleled. They're not anywhere else in the world. And the problem is when you have never had to, you know, you talked about values, clarification, defending, and then celebrating. Mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like in America, especially with the millennials and lower, we need to go back and have a primer, basic primer on what is liberty, what makes us unique, what are the three branches of you know of, of the institutions God created, the family, the church, and the state? Where do you draw the lines around those? Where do you where do you slap the government's hand for getting in the cookie jar, so to yeah. speak? Uh, because we've not had to do it. It's been a gradual, you know, subtle encroachment on our right. liberties that really comes from. And we don't teach these things in the public school for the most part. Yeah. We're not talking about these issues. So young people are getting their, their script from the evening news, from, from, from the experts who, as we've seen, have been wrong a million times. Or this is the other thing. We're, we talk about, well, we follow science. Well, no, you only follow the scientists who fit the script. We're yeah. not hearing from a whole bunch of other scientists who have a differing opinion. And, and science can't speak on authority. Science can't speak on morality. Science no. can't speak on what you ought to do. Right. Science is very limited. Science is very, very limited. It tells you what might or might not happen. Exactly. That's pretty much it. But my point is you yeah. know, we yeah. will lose liberty yeah. if we don't go back and, and reacquaint ourselves with the arguments from several hundred years ago that established liberty in the first place. Because yeah. like I said, they're just not being taught. That's why I, I have a passion to, to communicate these things from the pulpit. Because where on planet Earth, if you're a Christian and you're raising Christian young people and you love liberty, where on Earth are you going to hear the truth and the foundational principles for liberty in the first place? Uh, you're just simply not going to hear it. So I think the pastors have an important role uh, in our pulpits today. We don't have to preach on these things all the time, but certainly in an election year, yeah. uh, these things are worthy of our focus. And so that's what I did Sunday. I basically <laughs> said, these are th this is the holy trinity of non-negotiables. These are three issues that Christians cannot compromise on uh, uh, lest we lose, uh, you know, the liberty and the freedom that we have. Amen. Yeah, you, you, you were very clear. I mean, talking about clarity, <laughs> you were very clear. I mean, if anything established that we are not a secret sense to the church, that was it. <laughs> I had many people came up to me uh, who I don't even recognize, and they might be first-time guests or yeah. newer to our church. Says, "I never heard." a message i never heard a pastor preach like that before so one is like yay other end's like wow that's crazy that we don't have that level because the stuff you preached about the three um was non-negotiables non yeah. these are not like like you have to really dig for in the scripture yeah these are pretty clear you know through the words of the apostles and jesus themselves and 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 
so for me, it's just again the level of where where is the church going? Where why why have the church shied away from these issues? But you clarify those issues, and, and I know Sunday was you know you had to get everything in. So maybe there's an opportunity for us to kind of flesh out these these yep. three non-negotiables just a little bit. Absolutely. You know? And we say when they're non-negotiables, and how are we doing time? Let's just see. Yeah, uh, Twenty minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, just so I know how to flow this. <laughs> Excuse me. When we're talking about non-negotiables, what the what question we asked was this: Are there certain biblical truths that are so clear and so foundational to everything else uh, that we simply uh, cannot ever vote for a candidate who shares those beliefs? You know. Uh, something contrary to what the scripture teaches. And the first one that is absolutely clear is the whole issue of sanctity of life, which, which again, obviously includes the whole issue of abortion, but it's bigger than that. It's broader than that. It's, it's, it's valuing life, treating life as a gift from God, uh, treating life as something that is sacred, not only from the womb and recognizing the sacredness of life as that baby is formed in um, his or her mother's womb, but going all the way through, so we talked about the coarsening of the culture. When, when, you, when you allow 3,000 babies to be murdered every single day in America, what you say over and over again is life is cheap, life is not sacred, life is not valuable, that child's life is not important, that child's life is not sacred before God. And when you start there, it carries over into a whole bunch of other societal ills. We, we talked about um, just violence in our culture. Yeah. If you will do that to children in the womb, uh, what? Why would you? Why would I care about you when you're out of the womb? Uh, and so we see violence everywhere, and then it goes all the way. You know, we talk about violence against women, uh, women who are being commodified uh, sexually. We have sex trafficking going on. Um, we have pornography, which is which is uh, ultimately violence against women and against the, the sacredness of who they are as people made in God's image. I mean, we hit so many issues on Sunday, and all the, all the way, it takes you all the way up to the grave, because now we have a push for euthanasia and for the systematic killing of elderly people who simply are no longer, quote, productive, because we've lost the inherent value that people have have us being made in the image and likeness Absolutely. of God. And I think we talked about this before, is when you have these worldviews, these utopian Marxist worldview that basically says, uh, it's, it's contradictory because on one hand it's like all choice, and and but on the other hand it's like, well, humans are inherently good. It, it, it doesn't make sense in my head. But the idea, again, is if you disagree, then you're part of the bad society, and then your life no longer has any value. We've seen that over and over again in which we're, we have candidates or Supreme Court justice, justice nominees, which they're just attacked to the death. Their, value, their, their life is meaningless because to achieve an agenda, we will destroy you. Right. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's no... There's no, there's no sense of like, oh, we might be wrong or we might be destroying an innocent guy's life. There's no sense of that because you're just right. a commodity to be destroyed. it's not just me attacking you physically. Yeah. I, I, now I will attack your reputation. I'll attack your livelihood. I'll attack your family, yeah. which, which, again, is violence that comes out of the fact that I don't value you as right. a person. And I don't have the civility now publicly simply to disagree. I have to right. attack you. Right. Um, so, th- so, so the point was this. How, how do you come to church on Sunday and raise your hands and say, oh, how I love Jesus, and then go on Tuesday into the election booth and vote for a candidate who openly, and let let me just say, this ticket when it comes to the Democratic Party right now, this is the most liberal, this is the most uh, pro-death 
candidates that we've ever put forth in the history of America. We're talking candidates who support abortion on demand through the entire nine months of pregnancy. And if you choose to abort the baby right before uh, the child is naturally born uh, and that baby survives the abortion, we have two candidates who voted that no, that baby should not be uh, given any care and should be left to die. And I shared very clearly Sunday, this is barbaric. This is wicked. This is disgusting. And for a believer to vote for a candidate <coughs> who does not understand the issue of life, which as we shared Sunday from the Declaration of Independence, the issue <coughs> of life is foundational. Uh, the governments exist to protect unalienable rights, the first of which is the right to live. Yeah. And so to, to even think of voting for a candidate who doesn't get the life issue correctly uh, is just unconscionable for a believer in Jesus Christ who lives under the authority of the Word of God. You know, I, I heard this once before, you know, I'm not a law enforcement officer, but I heard someone say this, like, there's no statute of limitation for, there's statute of limitation for different crimes. Like, after a certain amount of time, the crime, you're not, you can't be prosecuted. But there's no statute of limitation in terms of time for murder. When it's a murder, uh, it's, uh, you, don't, you obviously can't bring that case. Like, if you did some harm against me, I have to sue you in court. But if you murder someone, the government, okay, its job is to take the case of the murder, the victim, Right. Makes sense because there's no one. To, I mean, it's not even the family or whatever because the person might not have family. So the government takes on the onus of saying, "Hey, it's my job to get justice." Okay? Because that's such a huge issue. It's such a huge issue. It's saying that that understanding that there's no statute of limitation, <clears throat> the government needs to take the onus of prosecuting. Is saying we take murder seriously. It doesn't matter if it's a homeless guy. It doesn't matter if it's a guy who has no family, no friends. We take murder seriously. Absolutely. Why? It's because we, as a society, says life is important. And if we let murder or, or the devaluing of life run rampant and, and unchecked. That's right. Now, I'm sure that happens throughout <laughs> our nations. Our nation is not perfect. But philosophically, we understand the, the value of life on that level. So, so, mm -hmm. so we create a culture as you were referring to earlier, that is a toxic culture. Yeah, well, if you don't Everybody have Everybody gets impacted from that toxic culture. Yes. And so we must protect life, and we must vote <coughs> for life. And as I shared Sunday, unfortunately, with, with where we're at now, just by standing and voting for life, I mean, we have narrowed down the possibilities of who you can even vote for right now uh, if life is an issue, and we're saying life is an issue. Absolutely. The second thing we yeah. talked about, uh, we talk about marriage. Was marriage, marriage and family? And, and marriage and family, uh, <clears throat> but that right now ties into sexual identity. I mean, all these different terms that people make up. You know, basically, uh, how do you identify as one gender or another? The whole idea of biological sex and whatever terms they come up with. Yeah, and, you know? and, and we said marriage matters quite simply, yeah. because marriage has been the building block and the cornerstone for for all healthy nations. Uh, you need a man and a woman to produce a child. That's, that is science. Uh, so again, all of these counterfeit forms of marriage that we have somehow promoted and embraced and we're calling normal and we're celebrating, um, this is insanity because it is common sense that a child needs a dad and mom, first of all, to even be conceived, but they also need a dad and a mom, ideally, to be raised in, a, in the most optimal environment for success as, as a son or daughter. 
Uh, we need better moms. We need better dads. We need stronger families. Um, and anybody that's pushing an alternative agenda and calling marriage uh, anything but the way God defines it and the way civilizations have defined it for two millennia, uh, you're living in a fairy tale world, and the, re and the, the outcome of that is going to be terrible. Uh, we're going to see the results of that. Yeah. Uh, and so we need, as Christians, again, and we ask the question, is the Bible clear about marriage? <clears throat> there is no room, no wiggle room uh, for a questioning what marriage is and why it's important if you're a lover of Jesus and you read the Bible. In fact, the scriptures are abundantly clear that homosexuality, lesbianism, same-sex relationships are strictly prohibited and forbidden by God, not to be limited on just that form of sexual perversion, because the Bible is also clear, adultery, fornication, yeah. you know, pornographic type of things, uh, sex before marriage, sex out of the covenant of marriage, all of these things are forbidden by God. Why? Because he loves us and because he wants us to flourish. These things do not lead to maximum flourishing. These things lead to all kinds of problems. Uh, and, uh, and again, so we, we need to be making sure that we vote for candidates who understand the value of marriage and who know the difference, and this is important, between what is a male and what is a female. This is not hard, but we seem to be struggling with these issues in our society today. Yeah, I mean, the cascade of, of depravity, starting with one idea, going to another. I mean, we mentioned Governor Newsom earlier, just the decree to say, you can't do this for Thanksgiving in your private home. I mean, that to me, from my understanding, is crazy. But to him, it's the simple cascading of his idea, his authority, and just taking another step, another yeah. step, another step. The same thing with these new sexual ethics and new sexual cultural norms um, that they want to celebrate and defend. It's just a, one step after another step after another step after another step. And there's no pushback. Then they're going to just keep taking everything. That's how That's right. culture always works. So what we're seeing right now is the cascading of that. And what's next? That's my question, yeah. you know? I believe the fundamental issue we're dealing with in America today with the, uh, the fabric of our culture being ripped apart, when you boil it all down and you find what is a common denominator, uh, I believe that the biggest common denominator is the lack of strong marriage and family in our home, the lack of strong families and the lack of fathers in particular. Uh, when you see all the violence and all the craziness and all the confusion, uh, even gender confusion, much of it stems, not all of it, but much of it stems from the breakdown of our families. I, I, I also know some good Christian families that have had good, good, good homes and they're still dealing with children that are struggling. Yeah. I think a lot of that is due not to necessarily the home, but what's happening in the larger culture, which is why, again, we have to protect and clarify these values and speak clearly on these issues um, in the larger culture, or it creates a toxic culture where people get confused and where people get sucked into lifestyles that ultimately destroy them. Yep, yep. And we're gonna we want to speak about it because this stuff matters. This Absolutely. stuff is valuable. This is this is the this is the this is our values, and we want to clarify and we want to defend, defend them. it. Absolutely. So. And, and, you know, we, we talk Sunday. There, this is spiritual warfare that's going on. Uh, we're living in a contested planet, a fallen world, where, where Satan is going after the hearts of men and women, uh, and where our job as Christians is to go after the hearts of men and women with the good news of the gospel. And so we'll go all the way back to the Bible. It was Jesus who said uh, that a, a, uh, 
God created them male and female. He was very clear about that. He said, a man will leave his mother and father. He'll cleave to his wife. They'll become one flesh. And out of that one flesh union is where we have offspring. And we shared Sunday, Satan's attack has been, uh, has been very strategic because he hates the glory of God and he hates the people of God. Yeah. And so what does he do? First of all, he attacks our children uh, through abortion. Uh, where we see three, you know, we talk about a pandemic. We have we have a serious pandemic. It's it's taking three thousand lives a day in America, which makes this whole COVID stuff just seem so small and insignificant. Three thousand lives a day we're mm-hmm. losing in abortion in this country. So Satan goes off after our offspring. Secondly, he goes after our marriages. Uh, through counterfeit marriage uh, and through the confusion about what is marriage in the first place, trying to destroy that most sacred of all unions. And then thirdly, he goes after gender. You know, Jesus said God created them male and female. Uh, There's not 50-some different genders. There's two genders. The Bible is very clear about this. Uh, And so he goes after gender identity, he goes after marriage, and he goes after our kids through abortion and through other things. And you can see he's very strategic because he hates these things because these things matter. They reflect the glory of God. Absolutely. And marriage, you know, the institution itself is a reflection. You know, I I shared this with somebody once, and I said, no, why does marriage really matter? Well, because at the end of the day, marriage is the the reflection. The Bible is very clear of us, the church, and Jesus Christ. That's right. It's powerful. Is that picture. worthy to be defended? Absolutely. It, it's you know? holy, it's precious. and, and the At f- least in the church. Shouldn't the church be a little fired up about that? Because it's literally describing who we are to Christ. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. just to connect the dots here and wrap yeah. this, wrap this yeah. up. The other reason marriage matters is because if we fall into the false lie, it sounds so nice, love is love, let people love whoever they want, quit discriminating against people. Yeah. Well, here, here's the problem. It leads us to our third non-negotiable, and that's religious liberty. The greatest threat to liberty in America today is the LGBTQ movement, which basically screams for for discrimination, right? The, against discrimination. But the problem is, what it does is it turns our whole value system upside down. And the very people that are promoting marriage and family, uh, a biblical view of marriage and family, the very people that are trying to live out their faith in public, which is where it matters, they're the ones who are now bigots and haters, and they're the ones who are guilty of discrimination, and they're the ones who should be fined and should be compelled and coerced by government uh, into a certain belief system, at least when you take your faith in public. And, and that's the antithesis, as we talked about Sunday, of what true religious liberty is. Because religious liberty doesn't mean I get to believe whatever I want. Religious liberty means I get to act out in public those beliefs, and that those beliefs are my beliefs, they're sacred beliefs, they're, they're my beliefs and my conscience before God, and I have the right to live that out without fear of government attack or recrimination or coercion, uh, which is exactly what we're seeing right now in our culture from, from governors and, and leaders and politicians who do not share our biblical worldview. Yeah, and the greatest attack on religious liberty has been revealed by COVID, is, is government dictating how churches should operate. Right. Again, the, the idea is there is that there is that cascading of government saying, hey, for the sake of the people, because we know better, you guys should do this. If there's no pushback. There's just going to be a, a greater extension of the authority, greater extension of the power. And where is it going to go next? 
Absolutely. Historically, government has never retracted their power. How often do people say, you know what, I'm going to give some power back to the people. We see that in movies in Hollywood. In reality, not rarely ever do That's we right. see that. That's right. So we need to understand that when these things are happening and saying, hey, if there's no check and balances, there's no pushback on that, what's going to happen to our kids? I mean, I have a three-year-old. You know, I'm thinking the next 20 years, you know, your grandkids, what's going to happen? My yeah. own kids and their jobs and things like that, uh, uh, where basically you're told, you know what, that's nice. You, you Christians can believe what you want to believe while you're at church, but just don't try to take those beliefs publicly. So we, we, we said, you know, hey, we're concerned about Christian business owners, Christian teachers, Christian lawyers. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whatever, wherever you're at in the public arena, here's the truth. You have the right. It, it is an unalienable right. It is a right that the government exists to protect, mm -hmm. not that the government can attack. So government exists to get, to protect your freedom to live out your faith before God Almighty. And, and see, this is the rub, because the freedom of conscience basically says that there's one area among many, but one area that the government has zero authority to go after, and that is the area of conscience. That's your beliefs before God Almighty. And what it basically says is there is an authority greater than human government, and that authority is God Almighty. Yep. God is the one who gives rights, not governments. And and ungodly politicians don't do not like to consider the thought that there's someone that has more authority than them, someone to whom they will give an account, and that's God Almighty. Uh, and so we as Christians, again, need to know why liberty is important. And I'll just say this, if we don't share our faith publicly and we don't make stands publicly and we don't live out the gospel publicly, then religious liberty is irrelevant. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't we matter don't, anyway. we right. don't need it. Right. And I right. think that's where, unfortunately, that's where many believers are. The reason they, they're not alarmed about <laughs> these encroachments on liberty is because you're not using your liberty. Uh, are you sharing your faith at work? Are you standing up for your values in public? Are you are you sharing Jesus with people and the gospel and the beauty of our Christian worldview? Are you witnessing openly? Are you using your religious liberty, or else otherwise, if it doesn't matter to us and we're just silent and we've been we've been shamed into silence, right? Or we're or we're cowards and we don't talk anymore. We're afraid to stand. If that's where we're at, then I'll just tell you we're going to lose our liberties because they're not precious to us and evidently they're not worth fighting for. But these things are worth fighting for. Vote for life. Vote for marriage. Vote for gender clarity for the sake of our kids and our grandkids. And vote for religious liberty. And any candidate who gets those wrong is not worthy of your vote, especially as a believer. You should not support those agendas because they're wicked agendas and they ultimately end in death, destruction, and the trampling of your liberties. Uh, and so we've been very clear about that. And that should help you in the voting booth. If you're trying to say, how do I vote as a Christian? Well, those are three pillars um, that if you will use that as a roadmap, it will help you sort the good from the bad uh, as you seek to elect godly people to represent us in our culture today. Yeah, and my last thing to add is, you know, we all are familiar with the parable of the talents. And the idea is, you know, uh, store everything that's been given to you well, yeah. because one day you will be given account for it before the Almighty God. You know, we Americans are we're so blessed. We are so yeah, blessed. Uh, you know, coming from the Chinese heritage, I understand how blessed we are in America. But I also understand the impending shadow of totalitarianism and dictatorship and 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 government and and 
overreach and all that stuff. And I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we, how are we stewarding the liberty and blessings that we've been born into? A great question. Or for me, immigrated into. How yeah. are we stewarding, stewarding that on a day-to-day basis? You know, because I think we'll, I absolutely believe one day we will be held accountable. You know, as opposed to someone who was born in captivity and was a slave all their life. You know, they've been given very, very small talent in terms of their liberty, whereas we've been given so, so much. much. Yes. To whom much has been given, much will be required. Yep. And that 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 is a sobering thought, especially yeah. when we, we know people in other countries that are uh, facing persecution yeah. uh, because they don't have rights. They, they haven't been given the amazing, uh, you know, liberties that we've been entrusted with. Yep. And so uh, that that's a great word. You know, I want to encourage you uh, to please interact with us today uh, on this podcast. We love to hear your comments. We love it when you share these with other people. Spread the word if you find this helpful. Uh, we'd love to help you have you help us get the word out so that other people can benefit from this as well. But what do you say? You know, this is this this is going to be airing on Thursday. Uh, we're only less than a week now away from. Uh, a national election. We shared two Sunday. We don't look for any particular person or party to to save the day. Yeah, we only have one Savior. His name is Jesus, and we're looking for an atmosphere where the church can flourish, where the church can continue to spread the gospel, uh, and where we have the liberty uh, to go after the hearts and souls of people with the good news that Jesus saves. And so that's what we're praying for. And if you would join us right now, what do you say we lift up this coming election, uh, and we pray for God's mercy, and we pray for a national revival that would hit America. And of course, you and I and the Church of Jesus Christ is a critical part of that. So Lord, uh, we pray for, for this election. We pray that you would have mercy on this country. We pray that you'd give us uh, a window, um, another window of opportunity uh, for Jesus Christ to uh, and his goodness to reign over this nation. So we pray for souls. We pray for a harvest. We pray for Christians to connect the dots and to really steward the, this freedom and liberty that you've given us. And Lord, we pray that this whole election process would just be bathed um, in your grace and in your goodness. Uh, And we thank you for the outcome because at the end of the day, God, you're the one who exalts. You're the one who sets down. uh, And yet you call us to do our part. So help us to do our part. And then we trust you uh, that you're going to do your part. uh, And we just give you the glory in advance for all that's going to happen in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thanks for watching today. We look forward to seeing you next time we're together here at the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Have a great week.